Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox with me in Washington, D.C., Ben Olson. Ben, did you see any movies with your movie pass? Well, this is funny, actually, because I, I just saw Tomb Raider yesterday and I did not see it with my movie pass. So I had it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my parents uh, were in town and they wanted to take all the boys to go see a movie. So we decided to go see Tomb Raider, which was a mistake for uh, five-year-olds. But in any case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. My five-year-old, he said, I'm going to sit down here. And he sat down on the floor <laughs> by my feet because he's like, everybody's going to think I'm a horrible father because I'm taking people to all, my kids to all these horrible movies. But in any case. I was like, "Wait, why are you going down there?" He's like, "So I don't, so I'm not tempted to look at the screen." <laughs> wow! So I was like, "All right, dude." So I took him out. So um, why didn't you see it with your movie pass? Well, so that's the thing is that they ended up saying, "Oh, we want to go to this theater because it's got IMAX or whatever." And uh, I was yeah. like, "Oh, I don't think my movie pass will work there." And they're like, "Oh, well, it's okay. We want to go here." So I was like. Now I have this weird feeling where when I go to a theater and I can use MoviePass, it's it's just so freeing because it's not going to cost me anything. But then I have this opposite feeling when I'm paying for a movie that I don't need to right. be paying for. So I've experienced both the joys and the pains of having uh, unlimited access to a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't care about 3D. I actually prefer not to watch movies in 3D. Oh, I don't like 3D so, either. Yeah, this is, yeah. yeah. And then IMAX. I don't. I, I don't really care about IMAX. The movie movie theater screens are already gigantic. Like, how big does it need to be? Yeah. I mean, um, I, did you take the boys to see Coco? Did you see Coco? No, that looks good. Did you see it? It's so beautiful, dude. I can't believe I waited so long to see it. I saw that uh, this week, and it was fantastic. Um, I also saw a quirky kind of. Um, it's like rich kids in Connecticut uh, murder movie called Thoroughbreds. Okay, mm-hmm. and I I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed that mm-hmm. <clears throat> quite a lot. So that's the two uh, recommendations that I wanted to give. Cool, yeah. But take the kids to Coco, man. It's it. I will say this about Coco. I think it's the most beautiful of all the Pixar movies. Like visually, yeah. I think it's the most beautiful to look at of all the Pixar movies, and that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. So, because those Pixar movies are just a delight to look at. Yeah. So anyway, and it's the story's great. The it's you know it's funny, it's fun. The music's cool, even though I'm not like a Latin music kind of a guy. But anyway, it's uh, that's really a good movie. Um, let's see. We need to talk about uh, a few things here. Yeah. So we now have 236 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. Thank you very much for. Uh, for checking us out on Facebook, please uh, fill out that form and join the Facebook group. People are using the group all the time. I don't really live there, but I pop in from time to time. And Ben, I know you do too. Yeah. Every once in a while, yeah. just to say hi. Um, we have, we have eight patrons on Patreon that are donating $74 total every month, which uh, covers, <laughs> what is that? One quarter of our operating costs? No, less than one well, so, we we calculated it. I forget. Yeah, what it, was. it came to around a thousand per month. A grand? Oh, yeah. Shit. Uh, when you add up, all, yeah, oh, the editing and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Almost 10%. <laughs> hey, we appreciate every uh, every dollar we get. And uh, please uh, go to Patreon and support us for as little as – what's how, what's the, the the least you can donate? I think uh, – Is there a $1 a month option? Uh, there was a dollar a month and then – I don't think there should be. I think it should be higher than that. Oh, five, five. No, yeah, there is. Yep. One dollar or more per month. You can, you can support the thinking else at podcast on Patreon. So that's just uh, th- uh patreon.com slash thinking else at right. And, uh, or whatever, go to patreon.com and search for thinking else at, yeah. and, uh, you can join the team that is, uh, helping to support the show. Um, I wanted to, we have a bunch of, uh, we have some news. We're going to talk about the Pepperdine, um, (laughs) rankings, semi debacle. Yeah. Um, we have listener emails as normal. Um, I wanted to give a quick callback to, uh, last episode though. Uh, I was, I always do this when I read it's, I love noticing connections between things when I read. And, um, I, as I mentioned last episode, I've been very excited about reading Stephen King's on writing Yeah, and I'm almost done with it. And I have two things I want to say to that. Um, at one point during the book, Stephen King refers to television as the glass teat. Oh, (laughs) and he's telling people to get off the glass teat. Yeah. (laughs) Basically he's saying, if you want to be a writer, stop watching TV (laughs) and get, get yourself off of the glass teat. So I liked that because we had just been talking about teat. Yeah. Teats (laughs) on the show. Um, I also want to say I want to double down on my recommendation that I love that book. It's a delightful uh, story about his life as a writer and his sobriety. And um, it's just a really terrific, um, really terrific book. And it also has me super fired up about writing. Um, I got to the part where he, he, he talks about what his, his daily word count is. Mm Mm-hmm. I've had this in my head forever okay. and I have always thought I've given it as advice a million times to other writers. Yeah. Like, Oh, if you want to be a writer, well, you know, here's how Stephen King does it. He, every single day he writes a certain amount of words mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and however long it takes him, that's how long it takes him. But he's not getting up from his desk until he has written his word count for the day. Mm-hmm. And I never knew what that number was, or I had forgotten what the number was cause I had never done it myself. But I, I, I just, I got to that point in the book and it's 2000 words per day. That's how much he writes. Mm. And, uh, I actually started doing it and it's been going awesome so far. And I'm super fired up about a new book that I started writing. Yeah. And I hope I can follow through with it. I mean, I have started and not finished books in the past, but this one, yeah, I, I believe is going to be entitled, don't pay for law school. Cool. So is it going to Simple be more admissions focused or LSAT focused? Um, well, I mean, it's going to talk about the ways, the way that the LSAT fits into that whole thing, of course, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the primary thrust of the argument is going to be, you can go to law school for free. You probably shouldn't go to law school if you don't go for free. Yeah. Let's talk about why and how 
to go to law school for free. Boom. And yeah. And so then, I mean, of course, if people still want to <laughs> rebut that presumption and pay, mm-hmm. I think they're wrong in almost every case. Yeah. Um, but I would just want to get the argument, you know, it's, it's something we've been talking about so much and I, I like, I never stopped talking to my students about it. And so I just figured, um, Hey, why don't I get the argument out on paper? I think it's a good argument because if you make half an argument, right? If you say don't pay or don't pay too much for law school or something, sometimes that just doesn't get people thinking enough, you know? It's when you say yeah, or, don't pay for law school or don't go to law school, then people start to think, oh, wait, is this really for me? Or if it is for me, um, why am I even considering full freight, you know? Right. And yeah, I wanted to make it, you know, like something that's going to grab attention. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked before about the Campos book, Don't Go to Law School Unless. Yeah. So this is clearly, you know, I'm kind of mirroring that title, mm-hmm. but I'm, but I'm, it's, I'm making a different argument because one, I'm not saying don't go to law school, mm-hmm. uh, go to law school mm-hmm. by all means, mm-hmm. live your best life, do yeah. it, whatever that, I mean, I shit, it wouldn't be my best life, but if it's your best life, fine. Yeah. You know, go to law school. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so I'm saying don't pay for law school mm-hmm. and then I'm also removing the unless. Yeah. It's just, my argument is going to be don't pay for law school. Yeah. And you can choose to take or leave my, my argument, but I'm going to, I'm going to try the best I can to get it out there. Um, so I wrote kind of an introduction and I worked on, um, I've been going through the UC Davis ABA 509 because Davis is one of these schools that gives just so crazy many scholarships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Davis has 12% of the class gets no help. 88% Eighty-eight percent of the class gets something at Davis. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> twelve. So check this out: twelve percent get no help, mm-hmm. and ten percent get more than a full ride. Oh, that twelve percent helping that ten percent. So, right, and so I'm talking about the the losers versus the winners in the scholarship game. Right, mm-hmm. there's scholarship losers. Mm-hmm. That's the twelve percent, mm-hmm. and there's scholarship winners. That's the ten percent. Yeah. And then let's talk about how those two groups are going to interact once they get into law school <laughs> and legal practice yeah, and what, what the outcomes look like. So anyway, um, I'm fired up about it right now. And if I keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to hammer this thing out in like a couple months. So awesome, dude. Anyway. Yeah. What's your, yeah, what's your I'm, goal number again? Um, 2000 words a day. And then I, I want to also say this about the, so I've, I've never done it before, but it's very empowering, um, it, you know, to just decide it's like, that's part of my day. I'm scheduling it. I've blocked off three hours, uh, to do it. And it took me the first day, it took me two and a half hours. And yesterday it took me an hour and a half and I'm just like pounding out the words. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I just started it. Like I've done it two days. So <laughs> I'm excited about this brand new habit that I've been able to maintain for two days. But I am going to do it today. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, we'll, we'll check in next week, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to keep the momentum going. One thing that I wanted to mention about keeping the momentum going, this is an awesome tip about writing. Um, 
I got this from Nate Mavis on the Thinking Poker podcast. Yeah. Um, Nate's a, a writer, and a tip that he 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 will leave the last sentence unfinished mm. in every writing session. Mm. Yeah. And the reason why he does that is because he wants tomorrow to just pick up the ball immediately and just be off and running. Yeah. And I couldn't believe how awesome that was yesterday when I, <laughs> I sat down to write and I had a sentence that it was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, here, here, this is where I was. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so, so now I, I look at my word count and as soon as I hit my 2000, oh, that's the other thing is that the 2000 is like a minimum and maximum. Mm. Mm. So yesterday the words were just pouring out and it was like, oh shit, I'm killing this. Mm-hmm. But when I got to my 2000, I stopped halfway in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, nope. I'm excited to pick this up tomorrow and tomorrow is just as important as today. And of course there's the analogy to LSAT studying there, right? Yeah. We, we frequently talk about doing a little bit every day. Yeah. And sometimes part of that is not doing too much in any one day. Yeah. Because if you do that full practice test today, then you might not do shit tomorrow. And now you've like broken the, you know, broken the chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so that's my writing update. Cool. And then the, the last other thing that we, we wanted to talk about uh, just sort of tease at the top of the show is we, uh, Ben and I are kicking around the idea of doing a live uh, joint LSAT class together somewhere in the country. Um, probably wouldn't be LA or DC or San Francisco because that's the places where we're already teaching regular classes. Yeah. But do we have some ideas about where we might like to go, Ben? Uh, New York would be great. Uh, Toronto, right? Yeah, we've heard um, in the in the Facebook group. We know that there are people um, in New York who are interested in our stuff. There's people in Toronto who are interested. Those are both also really excellent places to go. So, um, if you think you might be interested, the the thing would be basically a weekend class, and we both of us would roll in and we would do two days worth of LSAT instruction, and. Uh, yeah, let us know if that seems to be, you know, if you think that uh, your town, we we have gotten multiple emails from listeners about towns that don't have any, like, reasonable LSAT prep, right? Yeah. Or by reasonable, I mean good um, LSAT prep. And so if you think that's your town and you think there could be sufficient interest in your town, uh, yeah, hit us up and we'll we'll talk about getting something scheduled. Yeah, that'll be fun. Hey, have we talked about the uh, shirts too? Oh, um, <clears throat> you mean our Cafe Press yeah. uh, page? Yeah. Oh, right. That shit. That's new. Boy, we're doing so much better. <laughs> I think you should give yourself a pat on the back <laughs> for real. Come or, on. Or, or Matt's doing so much, I guess, and Heather and yeah, yeah right. <laughs> other people. Our yeah, our team is is doing a lot. Um, do we have a URL for that? It's cafepress.com slash thinking LSAT. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Okay. Cafepress.com slash thinking LSAT, and you will see a store. You know, we promised t-shirts by the end of the year. That was like a month ago. Yeah. That we made that promise. Yeah. And not only did we deliver t-shirts by the end of the year, but we delivered all sorts of other shit too. Yeah. Like coffee mugs and flasks and shot glasses and I don't know, all types of other shit yeah. in a variety of designs and colors. Yeah. So I was thinking we were going to make like one t-shirt. Yep. And instead we now have a whole range of products <laughs> and we get paid by the way we get paid almost nothing for these. So this is like, we're seriously like make a dollar or something like that when you buy something <laughs> off of cafe press. But that makes sense because they print everything on demand, you know, they print and ship everything yeah, on demand. Yeah. So you're not, uh, you're not going to be really paying us by doing this, but you know, what you are doing is helping to spread the word about the podcast and wearing some cool shit, um, with some cool designs on there. Yeah. So, uh, check out all of the various thinking LSAT swag, uh, at uh, cafepresscom slash thinking LSAT. Get yourself a t-shirt. Your friends will think you're cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay anything else preliminaries no that's it we're good all right yeah what do you think about so uh listener ari wrote in mm-hmm. and about this whole debacle from pepperdine yeah ari actually forwarded this email from dean karen at, at Pepperdine explaining what went down. Mm-hmm. Do we want to read this whole thing or do we just want to talk about it? Um, I think I don't remember what it said, <laughs> but I thought it was a little it's bit not... insightful about how these <laughs> is pretty funny. Yeah, schools interact with us news and um, their own internal process. I mean, the whole thing makes the school seem so, <laughs> I don't know, juvenile in some way. They're making mistakes and they're complaining about it and they're trying to get other people I, to justify their score. I don't know. It just seems silly. My take on it was a little more involved. I mean, I, I agree. I laughed immediately. I was like, oh my God, how do you guys fuck that up? Yeah. Also, how crazily obsessed are you about rankings? But it's not it's not just Pepperdine. That's every school sure. that's crazily obsessed with the rankings, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they give gigantic scholarships for better LSAT scores. Mm-hmm. It's because they are crazily obsessed with the rankings. I was amazed how much two points of LSAT um, moved their ranking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like, holy shit. Yeah. And, and so then, well, but I mean, we already know how much two points is worth yeah in scholarship terms right so i shouldn't have been surprised but i was yeah and then i also i was thinking that maybe they uh maybe they they did this on purpose anyway Hmm. that's an interesting Um, theory that's going to require a little unpacking dude it makes perfect sense okay (laughs) this is this is great let's get into it it's gonna be awesome Um, Okay, so this email comes in and it says, Dear Admitted Students, I want to share with you the newest members of our Pepperdine community, information I shared this morning with other members of our community. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Already, that's just like, okay. Take that sentence out. Yep. You don't need to put that at all. Unnecessary. All right. Just say what happened. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. On, so this is to admitted students. Okay. So congratulations, Ari, for getting into Pepperdine. Um, on Tuesday morning, U.S. News released to law schools an embargoed, confidential, electronic version of the 2019 edition of its annual rankings to be published online on Tuesday, March 20th. And so that was just a couple of days ago that the rankings actually came So out. wait, hold up. Embargoed means like confidential? <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? Or what, what do they mean by that? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like you could have gone with just confidential there or just embargoed, but it was embargoed and confidential. And electronic. It's like <laughs> electronic it just doesn't even need to doesn't even yeah. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> these these uh law school deans are um they like to hear themselves talk. But I mean so do we. I guess <laughs> that's so, why yeah. we have podcasts. We just don't say things two hundred like, hours. Yeah. <laughs> embargoed. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So these rankings actually came out, but this, this was, this email was before the rankings came out. It says we immediately analyzed the data U S news used in calculating our ranking to our horror. We learned that we had made an inadvertent data entry error in reporting our median LSAT for the class that began in fall of 2017. Can we stop there for a half second? (laughs) I, I just love this language An inadvertent data entry error that is that let's take someone fucked up and attribute it to an abstract event it was inadvertent and it was a data entry error there's no actors involved what yeah yeah so to me i have to say man like i'm gonna point back to this as potential evidence of intentional misdeeds. Oh, okay. I, I think mm-hmm. that this to me seems like protesting too much. Okay. I'm not saying they cheated. Yeah. I'm saying if this was a cheat, it worked. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Okay. Because okay. here's here's how here's what went down. We immediately contacted US News Tuesday morning to inform them of the error and requested that they update the rankings with the correct median LSAT. Oh, and by the way, um, I believe I know what these numbers are. Mm. I think it's 160 and 162. Okay. I, I think. Uh, somebody can correct me on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure. I read in a news story, and it's not in this email. But what happened was <clears throat> they put 162 as the median LSAT, mm-hmm. and the actual median LSAT was 160. Okay. So we're talking about two points difference yeah. um, of data for their class that began in fall of 2017. The actual median was 160. That's, by the way, the high score for each one of the incoming students. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't matter how many times you took it. You're a 160. If, if that's your highest score, you're a 160. And that was the median at Pepperdine. Yeah. But they reported, I believe, a 162. And they caught the error in this embargoed confidential electronic version of the rankings. They analyzed the data. (laughs) Yeah. Cause the schools are crazy about these rankings, huh? They're all over it. They're like just crunching the numbers to like double check and everything. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, they realized that they had uh, accidentally inadvertently as a data entry error, they had over, overstated their LSAT score. Mm. Okay. So we contacted them Tuesday morning to inform them of the error and requested that they update the rankings with the correct median LSAT on Tuesday afternoon. 
anonymous sources linked <laughs> the embargoed rankings, sorry, leaked the embargoed rankings, which were posted on several blogs showing Pepperdine's ranking as 59 up from 72 last year. Now, that 59 was based on the uh, inadvertent data entry error of 162 LSAT. Yep. Well, so think about what happened here. Yeah. Pepperdine got, I mean, I've never seen Pepperdine ranked 59 before. Yeah. But because these anonymous sources leaked the embargoed rankings with the 59. Yeah. Now we have 59, like it's sort of um, that negotiating concept of anchoring. Yeah. Yeah. Like we now see Pepperdine as a potentially as a 59 rather than a 72. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it goes on. Unfortunately, U.S. News has denied our request to revise the uh, rankings and instead issued a revised embargoed electronic version of the rankings that replaced the original. In the new version, Pepperdine is removed from the rankings. Instead, Pepperdine is listed as, quote, unranked due to a data reporting error by the school. Mm. But... You see what I'm saying, Ben, is that now that makes them just look like a 59. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be 59th on the official list. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, Pepperdine is, Pepperdine is super close to me. Yeah. Geographically. But I didn't, I like never even think about Pepperdine Law School. Yeah. But now I kind of do because of this. (laughs) Any news is good news, right? In some cases. Especially when it has you showing Pepperdine's rankings as 59. Yeah. It's like leaking, you know, leak some false rumor about yourself, but it makes you look really good. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. I, I, I'm not really saying that they cheated. I'm just saying that if this was a cheat, it, it seems kind of like it might have worked. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, then it goes, this part is the hilarious part. Uh, we contacted three law school rankings experts. And then it's got a list of names who all confirmed our analysis that Pepperdine would have ranked 62nd or 64th had the U S news rankings recomputed the rankings with our correct LSAT median. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that part does make it, if that's true, then that makes this doesn't makes it look like less of a cheat because they were already going to go up in the rankings and now they're just not even listed in the rankings at all. Yeah. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> oh my, I I just shot my own argument in the foot, but okay. Um. Anyway, so they they have three law school rankings experts recalculating. <laughs> That it, that they should be actually listed as 62nd or 64th, because that's because there's so many ties in the rankings. Yeah. I published a fuller description of this year's ranking snafu on my blog this morning. If you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. It is, of course, disappointing that we won't have our official U.S. News rank this year. But the reality is that we made great progress in the rankings this year. Actually, the reality is the opposite. <laughs> official should not be in yeah. quotes. Official should be you don't have a ranking, and the quote reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The quote, right? That's funny. People, the listeners can't see that, but the 
the sentence, it is, of course, disappointing that we won't have our, quote, official U.S. news rank this year. Right. Ben wants to take those quotes off <laughs> because it's a fact that you will not have an official U.S. news ranking this year. And then the next sentence. But the reality is <laughs> that we made great progress in the rankings this year. You made no and progress. And should continue our. Yeah. No, you you, you dropped yeah. off of the rankings. You are no longer ranked by U.S. News and World Report because you fucked up on the data. Um, anyway, New Year's rankings, New Year's rank. Is that supposed to say next year's rankings? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or this year's ranking, the, the new rankings. New Year's rankings? Uh, that's a typo in that. Yep. Okay. That's what happens when you write such long, <laughs> when you have bloviated <laughs> emails is that you start having a whole bunch of mistakes in there. Um, anyway, something, the new rankings will include jobs data for the class of 2017. And we were up 10 percentage points by yesterday's reporting deadline of March 15th for jobs, I guess. Mm. Uh, we were also very encouraged by a 40% surge in our applications for this coming fall. The future is very bright at Pepperdine Law, and we look forward to welcoming you here this fall. And that's from Dean Karen, who is a professor of law at Pepperdine University School of Law in beautiful Malibu, California. Awesome. Yeah. So they went up in the rankings a decent amount, it looks like, uh, but they, they, uh, they inadvertently cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and... They caught the error and they, they tried to get it fixed. And I'm guessing that if they didn't catch it and try to get it fixed, that other schools would have caught it. Oh, I think they, yeah, I was thinking about that as well. I was like, why did they say anything? But they were, they probably would have been screwed somehow, you know, like, I mean, that would look bad, right? It comes out and it's like, oh, Pepperdine lied about their LSAT scores. That's going to hurt them. Well, that could hurt them. Like the ABA could step in sure right? but also just gonna look bad because you know students like what one more dishonest yeah. law school yeah. thanks right 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 yeah um okay cool so um the uh a couple lsat points changes the rankings a lot though yeah it does that's pretty that's amazing pretty significant you know what i have to just take a peek here we can never talk too much about the ABA 509 reports. And I don't know that I've ever even looked at Pepperdine's. So I'm going to take a peek right now. Um, 2017 Pepperdine ABA 509. They got 2,000 applications. They offered admission to 870 of those. Um... Median LSAT 160 on their 509. 162 is their 75th percentile, and 25th percentile is all the way down at a 154. Hmm. 50th percentile GPA 3.6. Grants and scholarships. Here's the part that I'm really interested in. Resident tuition, actually resident and non-resident is the same at $54,000 per year. Um, but only 31% of the class pays full tuition. 69% of the school receives grants. Um, of those, 
the 69% of the 69% um, receiving grants that splits out as 33 getting less than half tuition, 31 getting half to full tuition, nobody getting exactly full tuition, but 5% are getting more than full tuition. Mm-hmm. So um, Pepperdine seems like an awful good place to go get yourself a scholarship, to be honest. I mean, and a stipend. Yeah. Like if I'm a 3.8 and a 163, I'm, I'm thinking about Pepperdine on a, on a full ride plus stipend. That's good. Why not? Yeah. Plus that'd be in reality, their ranking is going up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As long as they don't do more fuck ups slash slash shenanigans in next year's rankings. You know, but anyway, who cares? Because if you don't pay for law school, there's there's no risk. There's, you go to Pepperdine, yeah. you live in Malibu for three years. The campus at Pepperdine is super beautiful. It's in Malibu, right on the PCH. It's got like views of the ocean from the from the campus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just stupidly spectacular where, where Pepperdine is. And you know, you go there for free plus stipend and you just hang out in Malibu for three years, get a free JD. <laughs> do it why would you do that what why wouldn't you do that like why on earth would you instead go pay like full tuition at usc yeah that would be so dumb that'd be a really dumb move please don't pay full tuition at usc if you can go to pepperdine for free please go to pepperdine for free (laughs) the podcast will end there Yeah. Well, it will, because eventually we're going to say don't go to law school. (laughs) So, or sorry, don't pay for law school. My bad. Fucked up my own tagline and book title. All right. Um, Should we move on? Or do you have anything more you want to add to that? No, no. Thank you, Dean. Karen. (laughs) Dean Karen. Subject. Harvard versus Columbia. Hey, Ben and Nathan! Exclamation point. I wrote into the podcast a few months ago. I took a lot of your advice, but not all of it, apparently. What's up with that? <laughs> and raised my LSAT score from a 155 to a 174 in September. Damn. That was pretty good. I wonder what he could have done if he had taken all of our advice. Taken all of our Thank advice, you. yeah. Um, now the hard work is paying off, just as you two said it would. I've been accepted to Michigan with the a fellowship for, whoa, full ride plus a $2,000 per year stipend. Uh, University of Chicago, Duke, UPenn, Harvard, and Columbia with the Hamilton Fellowship. Okay, full ride. Basically, that's a full ride and a faculty mentor. I haven't heard of that before. It's interesting. Now I have the tough decision to make about where to attend. Yes, very tough. The only school I'm waiting to hear back from is NYU, which I loved when I visited. I have a preference for living in New York, but it is not a must. I guess I'm wondering, well, it'll be interesting to see what NYU says, but you have a full ride to Columbia, so it seems like that's where you should go. But in any case, my immediate career goal is either clerking or then big law or just big law. I want to save up money and then move to a public interest field. Sorry, let me just predict the future here for a second. If you go into big law... (laughs) Yeah, and you taste the money. I have a prediction here that you will never leave for public interest. But you know that happens frequently. What happens frequently? I mean, people leave. 
that people no that people get get on the big law teat. That's right. And never get off it. <laughs> you got the TV. You got the glass teat and the the big law the big law teat. money teat. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you. Yeah. Right. So very possible that you get addicted to the money and never leave. Um, also possible that you just completely burn out of law altogether because of big law. Yeah. Right. I just, when I, yeah, I totally, I, when I read the sentence, I want to save up money and then move to a public interest field. I feel like this is what we tell ourselves as human beings when right. we want to feel good about a somewhat questionable choice. It's like, yeah, I want to I want to go make millions so I can then turn around and donate it to uh some ch- charitable donate foundation or something or I want to fi- f- create a foundation just like Bill Gates. It's like, yeah, that's really why you want to do this? No, it's not. You want to go make money. Um but in any case, this course Yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, people also think that they they think that like they have to do that route. Yeah, they've heard that you know because they know other people who do it. It is a common route. I mean, big law is the best way to get out of law school debt once you're in it. Sure, it's almost the only way to get out of law school debt once you're in. Yeah, it. if you're in a quarter of a million dollars of debt, like how are you getting out of that if you don't make two hundred thousand dollars a yeah. year? The other route is just don't go into the debt in the first place. And this correspondent has multiple full ride offers on the table already. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know what our default presumption is going to be. Yeah. But here, this this uh, correspondent, we don't have a name, huh? No. Anonymous um, is going to probably hope that we try to talk her into Harvard. That's how this usually goes down. Yeah. But we're not going to. No, I mean... At least I'm not. This person has already said they like New York. It seems like the answer is obvious. I agree. But let's continue. Mike, plus New York is a great place for going into big law. I would love to hear your thoughts about choosing from these schools. Right now, I'd put my top two as Harvard and Columbia. Okay, so the answer is... Columbia. I'm dead averse, and the Columbia money would be hard to turn down. But Harvard has a center which offers three courses from multiple professors in the niche field that I'm, in int- that I'm interested in long term, while Columbia offers only one. Should this even be a consideration? No. Nope. <laughs> no, it should not. There's this, these stupid law centers, that's, who cares? Columbia is a great law school. Yeah, well, and the other thing is that, like, <laughs> It's kind of like taking an LSAT class, actually. It all comes down to the the teacher. So you're focused on this course that you can go take, but really you're just going to go and to get a good education wherever you go. And you just when whatever school you end up at, Columbia and Harvard, by the way, are both great schools. So just seek out classes that interest you. Um, in fact, you should probably be seeking out classes that you're not planning to go into to make sure that you're not actually interested in them. Um, but in any case, also, if I get into NYU and I am able to either get Wait, the... Sorry, can I... Sorry to interrupt, but can go I say ahead. one other thing about this? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> if you go to Columbia, y- you can still write down the names of those three multiple professors at Harvard who work in this niche field that you're interested in. Yeah. And you can still read their books and read their blogs and go to their symposiums and send them emails and 
they still want to, if, if you're interested in that field, they are also still interested in interacting with law students and young lawyers from Columbia. For sure. It's not like because you went to Columbia, you're never going to be able to talk to these Harvard professors. That's right. Columbia is a fine law school. You're going to be there on a Hamilton fellowship with a full ride plus faculty mentor. Well, how about that faculty mentor connects you to those professors at Harvard? Or how about there is, it looks like one professor at Columbia that works in this niche field. Surely that professor can help to connect you to these other people in this niche field that you're interested in. <laughs> I just, I this whole idea that you have to go to a school if you want to practice in any particular area, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I just don't think that's reality at all. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, also, if I get into NYU and I'm able to either get the Vanderbilt full ride or negotiate a full ride, what would you say about choosing NYU over Columbia? I get the feeling that Columbia has a stronger reputation, but when I went to visit, I got the impression that NYU is much more laid back and less competitive, which I like. How much prestige should I trade for possibly increasing my quality of life while in school? Well, let the money dictate everything first. If you get a full ride to both, I would just go to the school you like better. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. Yep. And you're not going to, you're going to, you're going to win either way. And I've been on campus at both of those places and I agree NYU generally just seems like a cool hipster kind of a place. Whereas Columbia feels a little bit more like a, a little more um, old money kind of uptight ish kind of a place. Yeah. Just, I don't know, just physically the campuses and maybe that's just like the part of town that they're in. Yeah. I don't really know New York all that well. We'll find out when we go teach our LSAT class there, Ben. That's right. Um, we'll take a tour of both of those places. Yeah. If you get a full ride to both places, then yeah, I agree with Ben. Just wherever you feel like you're going to be happy because both of those places are going to do lots and lots of good things for you. Yeah. Do you care about the rankings difference between NYU and Columbia? I mean, no. No. What? They're both T14. Who cares? Yeah. Neither of them are Harvard, Stanford, Yale, but they're both T14 schools in Manhattan. <laughs> so <laughs> bravo. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, you're going to win here. I mean, I don't know. Can you try to get a better stipend out of one of the two schools? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Correspondent. Oh, I thought we were still reading the email. Oh, we are? Oh, yeah, we are. <clears throat> no wonder. The awkward silence. Thanks <laughs> thanks for the help. I continue to listen to the podcast, even though I'm long done with the LSAT and still enjoy it. Best! Exclamation point. Well, thank you. Best. Thanks, best. Um, yeah, I don't pay for law school, and uh, you're going to be fine. Yeah. A, congratulations on the awesome LSAT score. And you are exactly the type of person who is going to win this game. So I I definitely encourage you to continue playing it successfully. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if you indeed, if you actually do want to work in public interest, let's just go ahead and start by not accumulating a shit ton of debt. I mean, you're already going to accumulate some debt by going to, by living in New York for three years without a job. 
um, that's going to be expensive, but you don't want to tack on $60,000 a year of tuition on top of that. Yeah. That's just digging yourself a deeper hole. Just don't, don't do it. Okay. Um, here's another email thinking LSAT thoughts message. Hey, Nathan and Ben, if this ends up on the show, please limit to my first name, which is Kurt. Okay. Took the February LSAT and I'm taking my first break from studying since November of 2016. If I got the score I'm hoping for, I would love to write again and elaborate on my studying, which ultimately began in January of 2014. Whoa. Hmm. That's a poor use of ultimately right there, by the way. Right? Yeah. Ultimately means like at the end. Yeah. You're talking about the beginning of your studying. It didn't ultimately begin in January. Initially. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, if I'm going... Also, that's just an L-Y adverb, which could just, you could just go ahead and cut that. Yep. Um, I'm going to keep working until I get to my goal score range. And the accomplishment of reaching that goal score would be nothing short of a 30 point increase from when I started in 2014. That's a big increase, but that's a long time studying. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Um, Two side points I thought you guys might find fun. These are non-LSAT related. Oh, boy. I'm scared. I'm I'm scared. Here we go. I hear you guys call yourselves skeptics. And I am then curious if you guys are familiar with the scientific skepticism movement. I came to learn about this quote community after spending time trying to debunk my crazy friends, conspiracy theories, check out the league of nerds podcast or miles power for some science fun that you can throw around next time you hear someone talk about 9-11, Monsanto, chemtrails, etc. Yeah, but see, I don't do that, though. Do yeah. you engage people when you hear people talking about Monsanto or whatever, talking about chemtrails or talking about 9-11s and inside job? No. Do you start throwing around science fun at them? Well, I don't talk to people who talk about those things. Do you? No, I don't. No, I do not engage with any. I don't have friends who talk about those things. No. Yeah, do I? I mean, I don't have that many friends, but yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't have friends who think 9-11 was an inside job or the moon landing was faked or the earth's flat. <laughs> yeah. I just don't really hang out with folks like that. Anyway, um, also, so, but anyways, thanks for the tips. Um, I just don't, you can't teach stupid. So I don't really try to fight with people who believe all those crazy nonsense things. Um, also, you guys hate on halo top often and i heard in the podcast that you had said there was no cream in halo top did you try the dairy free version i searched the ingredients to halo top on their website and for all the flavors i found the first two ingredients milk and cream i might have misspoken um if i said it doesn't have cream in it it's not that it doesn't have cream in it it's that it tastes like it doesn't have cream in it which is that's all i care about yeah it 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 has the texture and taste of like sand. So that's why I don't like it. Um, what, whether what the actual ingredients are, I don't care. It's just, it's, it tastes like garbage. Anyway, um, I've only had the dessert once. Yes. To the listeners, it's supposed to be a fucking dessert, but I didn't think it was bad. What I'm hoping you address is the following. Why isn't halo top ice cream dairy or dairy free? It would be cool if you could throw some necessary slash sufficient conditions out there. 
I know it's ridiculous, but your Halo Top rants are epic. <laughs> okay. Well, so I would put it this way. If I'm going to call it ice cream, then that means that it tastes like ice cream. Uh, that is, me calling it ice cream is sufficient <clears throat> for the necessary condition, which would be it tastes like ice cream. When we look at the contrapositive, you see the necessary and sufficient conditions, they switch sides and they both become negated. And so the sufficient condition now becomes, if it doesn't taste like ice cream, then Nathan is not going to call it ice cream. So because Halo Top does not taste like ice cream, that's why I call it not ice cream. Whether it is or is not in fact ice cream, I don't care. I, whatever. We're not, I'm talking about what I consider to be ice cream. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, um, there's my necessary and sufficient conditions for Halo Top. Well, well done. You have anything you want to add to that? No, I was uh, just thinking I still haven't tried it. No, just don't even, dude. I mean, well, I gotta, do yourself I got to try it and see how bad it is. Okay. Yeah. Just make sure you're feeling really happy that day and like you're not at all borderline suicidal because that would definitely put you over the edge. Um Okay, thanks for your time, guys, and I will contribute $10 for each point I receive over 170 My apologies for any grammatical errors. Um, oh, and Kurt also does not want uh, anyone to use them as a singular uh, pronoun, which I agree with. Yeah. Kurt. Cool. Thanks, Kurt. Congratulations um, on your achievements so far. Sounds like you're on the right track. 30 points, boy, that's going to be a lot, but you've been working on it for a while. So cool. Yeah. Hey, so um, just our listeners probably don't know, but our agenda is on a Google Doc. And so uh-huh. we can both look at it at the same time. And we just take emails and we copy it into here. Uh-huh. I'm a little distracted right now because who is Scott? Who's who's logged in with us? Here? Oh, sorry. That's my that's my bad. I should have told you I did that. So um, Scott is a uh, tutor in San Francisco who he works with. Um, uh, well, actually, a really wide range of kids on a very wide range of subjects. Mm. But um, I've I've just been I've been telling Scott about how good a how much fun we have with our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I shared with him the uh, our podcast agenda just so that he could see what we're up to. But it's. It's nothing. That's just my buddy oh, Scott. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, it's funny because his icon, right? You have the icons, is kind of like a ghost-looking figure. So it kind of fit the fact. I was like, "Who is this logging oh, in? He's lurking with he's our like, agenda." He's like, a, "Yeah, like we're getting attacked." <laughs> no, that's just uh, that's my buddy Scott in uh, in San Francisco. He's thinking about doing a podcast, so I just wanted to show him what our agenda looks like. I wanted to show him basically how low tech and easy it is to run a podcast. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, this next email says subject, don't pay for law school. Excellent. They stole your book title. Hey friends, I have had a lot of time on my hands since I took the February LSAT and I wanted to share some thoughts. You don't have to share them on the podcast or anything. I just thought you might be interested. I'll try my best to avoid the wall of text, but this subject matter makes it difficult. Jeez. You can start by removing that sentence. Yeah, everyone who says that is destined is writing a wall yeah, of text for trouble. And they it's know like it. <laughs> not to be racist, but it's like okay, you're already racist because you said that. Yeah. It just don't. 
Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Or, okay. So and so is such a nice guy, but let's see yeah. how he's an asshole. I don't want to, not to talk shit, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. Yeah, but here it comes. Essentially, uh, this correspondent continues. Oops, sorry. Let's see who this is. Gravy. Okay. Um, Gravy says, essentially, I think people are thinking about the cost of law school all wrong, and the situation is much more dire than they believe. Most of these figures are to follow are back-of-napkin estimates, but I'll try to embed some links when possible. I would have said back-of-the-envelope there. Yeah. I think it's cocktail napkin would be fine, or back-of-the-envelope, but it's not back-of-napkin. <laughs> You guys, it's funny. People keep writing us, even though they just get fucking ruined every time they do. But we appreciate it. So I don't know. Um, by the way, help at thinkinglsat.com. If you want to know how to uh, contact the show, that is help at thinkinglsat.com. You can also go to our website, thinkinglsat.com, and you can uh, comment on our blog there. Here's a challenge for people if you're feeling good about your writing skills, Write two paragraphs to us as correctly as possible, and we'll see what we can tell you is wrong. Um, <laughs> just to- we do. Hey, you know, in our defense, when we when we read emails that we think are really well written, we always comment on on things we like. Yeah. Um, but you know, when we see things that are incorrect, like for example, this email has two spaces between every sentence. And no commas between independent clauses, but I won't talk. That's missing that. an apostrophe on one of those stats there. <laughs> oh, there's a missing apostrophe on lets later. Oh my god! Those are just things that automatically get caught by you know any sort of um, modern word processor. Yeah. But anyway, whatever you know, I know you guys don't have time for that. <laughs> oh my god! All right, thanks, Gravy, for letting us uh, abuse you. So Gravy's gonna. Give us some backup napkin estimates here. No, but there's some real, this is actually really good analysis. I mean, I'm glad we've got, um, thank you very much, Gravy, for writing this in because we should talk about this. This is, this is very smart thinking here, even though it needs to be better edited. But okay, go ahead. Uh, so Gravy says, I looked up the average cost of law school tuition and it came out to be 46500 for private and 26000 for public in state. I'll run the numbers just for private to save space. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, wall of text filled with sentences that describe what's going to happen instead of just giving us what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. If you attend law school for three years, then you'll have paid $139,000. That's not the end of it, though. Assuming you don't have all that money li- lying around, you will have to take out a loan and pay interest. If you pay off that loan over 10 years, the typical length recommended, you will have paid one thousand seven. Hundred, well, sorry, one hundred and seventy-five thousand by the end of that term. In addition, by going to law school, you are choosing not to collect wages during that time, and by doing so, you are foregoing fifty thousand dollars, the average entry-level salary of a college grad, a year. That adds up to one hundred fifty thousand over the course of three years. In total, you are losing out on three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of capital. This is where it gets interesting. This is what Gravy said. There is a thing in the personal finance world called the safe withdrawal rate. It is the idea that if you put a lump sum into a low-fee index fund, 
into low-fee index funds with sufficient diversification, you will be able to take out a percentage of that lump sum every year without the principal ever declining. It turns out that after interest, this rate is 4%. Historically, it has been 4%, but yes. okay. Yeah, applied to our situation, if we were to put a lump sum of 325000 into an index fund, I would be able to withdraw $13,000 a year every year for the rest of my life. Okay. Okay. One thing about this, though, is you wouldn't have this money if you weren't going to school and if you hadn't yet worked for three years. So putting in a lump sum of cash at the beginning of your school year career is not possible. Yeah, and there's also like present value versus future value considerations that you need to be thinking about, right? I mean, the the 174, 785 that you're going to pay off over 10 years, you're going to pay a lot of those back with future dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is which makes it a little bit nicer, and yeah, exactly what Ben's saying is, you don't actually have that three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. So, and but I mean, you're you're sacrificing. Eh, it's still this is definitely still an argument worth considering because I mean this because now he's going to talk about the difference in salaries. Yeah, he's basically going to say are you going to make $13,000 more per year? Because that's what you have to make more per year just to break even. And as far as a back of napkin estimate is concerned, you know, that's not bad. That's, that's gotta be, it's ballpark, right? Sure. It's, we know the number's not zero. <laughs> the number is much, much higher than zero. And so if we're going to say you have to make $13,000 a year more than you would have normally made just to break even on your JD. Yeah. I think that's very, that's, a, I, that sounds pretty close to me. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Now let's look at the lifetime salaries. I use the same number from before for the college graduate salary, $50,000, because of the added income from your investment returns at the safe withdrawal rate. If you had invested that money instead of spending it on law school, you would be netting $63,000 a year. Now that's the 50 plus the 13. Now the average salary I found for entering for an entering attorney is $68,000 a year in the private sector and $52,000 a year in the public sector. A college graduate that had invested that money instead would only be making 5,000 less than an attorney in the private sector and nearly 11,000 more than someone going public. 11,000 more than someone going public that's counting the cost of the JD. Yeah. But but basically saying you make more you're <laughs> Basically saying that you are shooting yourself in the foot by paying for law school. Yep. But you, you are, you are, it is to your financial long-term financial detriment to pay for law school. Yeah. Uh, Gravy goes on. I know that my numbers are imprecise and that using entry level average salary as a proxy for average lifetime earnings is flawed. That being said, I still think that this should be a wake up call and a better way of thinking about costs for anyone that wants to go to law school. If you read it, I hope it makes sense. If not, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, one thing about this is that it does illustrate the importance of considering what you're doing. Like if, if you're going to law school um, and you are going to a good school and you're very likely to succeed because you've done well in the LSAT, you've done well in your academic career before – um, in other words, you're someone who's likely to leverage your law degree in a in a real way and go get a good job at a 
a good law firm, then these things are are probably worth the cost, even if you end up paying for law school, because you're gonna you're gonna graduate and you're gonna start making 160 or something like that, and all this stuff is chump change, and it's gonna be paid off quickly. But if that said, yeah, I you you are right. Certain people are going to win this game no matter what they do. Yeah. That said, I still don't want you to pay for law school because you don't have to. Sure. Those same people who are going to be these smash successes in law and who are going to make $200,000 a year for their starting salary and have no problem paying off their JDs, those same people can also just go to law school for free, which surely you would rather not have to pay off a quarter of a million dollars of debt, (laughs) you know, with the, with the first money you make out of law school. Yeah. So why, why on earth would you go into that debt voluntarily? Yeah. And, And then the argument that I'm making in my book is that, Hey, even some of the winners are going to wash out, Mm -hmm. you know, like the people who, the people who you're sure you're going to be a lawyer, you know exactly what you're going to do. You know, everything about it. You want to work in big law, you know, you've, you've actually worked in big law before. You're sure that this is the right thing for you. Okay. But five years later, things can change. Yeah. A lot can change. You can get married. You can get divorced. You can get sick. Someone in your family can get sick. You can get a better offer. You can, all manner of crazy different things can happen to you in your life. Yeah. And you might decide not to practice big law or you might wash out of big law. You might get caught up in a sexual harassment scandal and get disbarred. You might, I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy shit that can happen. Yeah. And so you have to think about the, just the risk you're taking Mm -hmm. because yeah, I mean, Even some of the people who are a solid gold plated lock for law, you know, like if there's people who would be like, well, yeah, that person, if I was ever going to bet on anybody, that's the person that they are for sure going to be a practicing lawyer. They're going to be a successful practicing big law lawyer. Mm -hmm. And still they might wash out though. (laughs) There's like a million ways that they can fuck it up or just decide they don't want to do it. Yeah. Maybe they want to move to India and start an orphanage. I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen five years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and so, oh God damn it. Just even, yeah, even the winners should just start your winning now by not accumulating some crazy debt. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm too fired up about this. No, I, I mean, I'm ranting about it. I completely agree. I think uh, going for free makes the risk so much less that, that's what you got to do. But it also illustrates the point here, and that is that just make sure you're on the right side of this investment because either you're going to win or the house is going to win, and the house is the law schools. And if they win, uh, that sucks for you because you just paid them money and then you got nothing out of it, and now you have to pay your loans back. Yeah. When we look back at you know this, we, we, had, we talked about best earlier. Mm-hmm. And Best, who is, you know, wants to go to big law, 174 LSAT, clearly positioned to be a winner in the game, right? Wants to either clerk or go to big law. All these great offers from all these great schools, including admitted to Harvard. 
And I'm saying 100% do not go to Harvard. 100% take one of those full rides, yeah. please. Yeah. It's a <laughs> because then you have all the flexibility to for the rest of your life to do whatever the fuck you want. And if you take on that debt from Harvard, that's a really big commitment that you're making for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Gravy. I guess we'll put some of these links in. I don't know. There's a lot of links here. That's a lot of links. But I mean, all this stuff you can definitely find. I appreciate sharing the, the, um, but yeah, it's cost of tuition, debt calculator, college grad salary stuff, safe withdrawal rate stuff, lawyer average salary. I think people can just Google those things if they really want to know. Yeah. Better to do independent research. Or just go for free. You don't have to worry about any of this. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's so amazing about the don't pay for law school. It's just like, it's very simple. Just don't fucking pay for law school and you're fine. Yeah. As long as you don't pay for law school, you can do a lot of different things and you can still be fine. Yeah. But the second you start paying and, and by the way, I mean, we've said this too, but you know, 50% scholarship is not really a very good deal. Yeah. There are too many people that are getting a full ride slash a full ride plus stipend. And so when they offer you that $20,000 per year, um, that might look good, but it's really not. That's, that's sort of a, a middling offer. Mm-hmm. And, and when we say don't pay for law school, we mean don't pay for law school. Yeah. Anything don't pay. Yeah. Just don't, you don't have to, you don't have to. And if you're sitting there going like, no, you don't understand. That's not an option for me. I have to pay for law school. Mm-hmm. Well then I, for you, I would just say, okay, so you should not go. Yeah. Cause like your LSAT and your GPA are so low that you, that the, the only possible way for you to get a JD is to pay for it. That does not, you are, you are very unlikely to win that game. Yeah. So you just shouldn't even be playing it at all. Yeah. We're going to put ourselves out of business, Ben, one of these days. Um, because if everybody took our advice, every law school would fail, but, um, you know, that's not actually going to happen. So I think we can keep yelling about this forever and not really hurt ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if, you know, if, if, cause I mean, the correct answer to this whole system, if everybody really got into this and was like, yeah, no, I'm not paying. And everybody just started taking the best full ride they could get. Mm-hmm. Then there'd be a lot of talent filtering down to the lower ranked law schools. Mm-hmm. Law schools would become even more homogenous than they are now, yeah. which they already are. Mm-hmm. And then tuitions would have to go down. Yeah. If, if no one's paying, if everybody's taking the scholarships, then, well, or shit, I don't know. Maybe the exact opposite happens. Everybody starts taking the scholarships, so they just jack up the tuitions even more for the people who are stupid enough to pay? Well, I wonder, like, if, if you had top talent going down, then you open up seats for more wealthy patrons, to use that term. <laughs> yeah, totally. To go uh, to the top, I guess. Pay to play. <laughs> we'll just start... We'll start calling people who pay for law school the patrons. <laughs> they're 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 not. I'm a patron of the law. I'm a pa- <laughs> because that's what you are. You're a patron of the more qualified, <laughs> going to be more successful lawyers at your law school. Yeah, people are gonna really hate us now if we do that. But that's kind of what you, if you're the, if you're in the 12% of people at UC Davis who don't get scholarship help at all, yeah, then you are a patron of 
the other more qualified lawyers that you are competing against for grades at UC Davis. You're bankrolling them. You are bankrolling them and you are a, you're a fan of their work. That's why you wanted to come <laughs> there and pay for their tuition while you studied side by side but with them and they kicked your ass in uh, all the exams. And maybe, maybe they'll let you be a part of their study group. <laughs> Probably not, though, because they're going to have a minimum LSAT score and you, yours isn't high enough. That's why you're not getting a scholarship. Uh, yeah, it's very simple. This game is very simple. Don't hate us because we did not make this game. We're just trying to tell you how the game is. Uh, yeah, and it's a very simple way to play it. If you there's, it's like the perfect. You could play the game perfectly with one rule, which is don't pay for law school. That's it. As long as you don't do that, as long as you don't pay, you're 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 going to win. You won. It's great. Yeah, you, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <sighs> All right. Next one? Yeah, let's do it. Is this me? Oh, no, it's you. It's me. Okay. Dear Ben and Nathan, today on my morning walk around the local lake, I watched an old man stare down a goose that was in his way until it eventually cleared a path for him. Okay. I love, uh, so far I'm loving this email. This is awesome. Yeah. Because this is a story that I want to hear more about. I like it's a declarative sentence, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I watched an old man stare down a goose. And then the goose clears a path for him. This is awesome. This is a story that I want to read more about. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I'm just, I have so many questions. Who is this old man? Why is he staring down a goose? The goose just makes way. That's amazing. Okay. Um, anyway, these giant ass geese not only shit all over the path that circles the lake, but they frequently fight each other and make threatening noises towards people. I, for one, am scared of them. Anyway, I'm listening to the podcast as I always do at the lake, and as I plan to take a long route around the goose standing in the middle of the walkway, I see this old guy, he kind of looks like Mike from Breaking Bad, wearing dark sunglasses, just slowly walk up to the goose. Whoa. Hmm. It's very vivid, because if you can picture Mike from Breaking Bad, he's, he's, a, he's a badass old man. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. He eventually stops, maybe two feet away, and looks down at it. The goose stares at him, and I swear this standoff lasted for a good 30 seconds. The guy stands there, hands in his pockets, just waiting for the goose to move. Eventually, it slowly walks away, and the old man continues on. <laughs> now look i hate geese i remember being chased by one when i was a kid what i realized though is that it's time to face that fear it's time to stand in front of the goose and say get the fuck out of my face okay (laughs) Uh, our listeners are crazy um I've been going about my LSAT prep the wrong way, and I want to thank the two of you for helping me develop the right mindset about how to study and approach this test. I started my preparation with fear. I was afraid of what my diagnostic score would be. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to, quote, learn the test based on the rumors I heard. I was scared that I might fail. This is, this Dave, Dave's a good writer. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. Good job, Dave. Yeah, he could be better. Uh, (laughs) 
I didn't say it was perfect. I just said it was pretty good. It's got, I like that it's, it's, um, this, the sentences are clear. Yeah. It's pretty easy to read. I only stumbled over like one of the longer sentences, but it's got a, a ton of short sentences mixed in, mm-hmm. but a good balance of short sentences and long sentences. Yeah. There's some interesting, um, you know, these last three sentences, I was afraid, I was afraid, I was scared. Well, yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's nice. You can tell that Dave has like an ear for, for, for for language right and and actually you can also tell that dave um went through this thing a couple times before sending it yeah which we which we always appreciate yeah anyway um nathan i'm noticing something new about myself as i approach the lr sections i'm growing hostile toward the questions i can't help but be a dick as i read the arguments and i eagerly call out the bullshit when i find it and the answer choices Get the fuck out of here and stop wasting my time, I yell as I read over three answer choices that are horrible, one that only makes me slightly mad, and one that sounds good. I'm reading the stimulus, understanding it, and I find that I'm getting better at knowing the answer in some cases before I even go through the answer choices. Don't get me wrong, I've got an incredibly long way to go. In fact, I've only recently started devoting an hour a day to working on timed sections and reviewing them. But thanks to you guys and the podcast, I'm looking at the test in a new way and it feels good. I'm done with avoiding the LSAT and fearing the outcome. The test is standing right in front of me. I'm staring at it head to toe and I will not walk around it. Best, Dave. (laughs) Good, Dave. Good. (laughs) That's awesome. I wonder if Dave's listening to this at the lake. Yeah. uh, Speaking about fears... um, a lot of research has gone into this and if you take something that you're afraid of and you think about something that you're avoiding in your life, like talking to someone that you need to talk to or I don't know, taking care of some business you haven't taken care of or whatever it is, going to a party that you normally would not go to, just think about something that you kind of don't want to do on one level but on another level you kind of want to do uh, but you're avoiding it for because you're afraid for some reason or another. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big challenge. Start small. Think about the easiest thing that you're still avoiding and go do that thing. Um, Studies have shown that people get so much better at all these other things in their life. Uh, They become so much better at encountering things that would normally kind of push them back or make them procrastinate or whatever. So what Dave's talking about here, you know, applies to the LSAT, but it, it can apply to a whole host of other things. Just think about something you're avoiding and decide some part of that that you're going to tackle today and just go do it. Wow. What are you avoiding? Oh, I'm avoiding all sorts of things. Um, but generally awkward conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have enough of those in my life right now, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So you think about something though, that you're avoiding, you just got to go do it. Huh? It's so, okay. Um, that sounds a little conclusory though. It sounds a little bit like stop being afraid by not being afraid. Ooh, yeah, it does sound a little bit like that. But actually what I'm going to say next might help a little bit. Okay. The fear may never go away of the things that you're afraid of, right? It's uh, it's something that's going to be there. But what you are developing is 
being comfortable with that fear or that unease. In other words, when you go into a situation that you're uncomfortable with, that uncomfortableness may never actually leave. But um, by going into that situation and telling yourself that it's okay to feel that way while you're doing something, then you develop the ability to go into other uncomfortable situations and just be cool with the fact that you're uncomfortable because that's never going to go away. And you just have to accept the fact that you can't live your life constantly going from one comfortable thing to the next. Otherwise, you'll just end up in a ditch somewhere. Like you have to encounter uncomfortable things and developing the ability or the belief that it's okay to be uncomfortable and still stand there and do whatever it is you have to do is going to make you stronger. Wow. Okay. I have to think of something that I've been putting off or that I'm afraid of doing. Something that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I have to think of something and go do it. And uh, embrace the uncomfortableness. Just, it is uncomfortable. That's just how it is. Yeah. Of course it's uncomfortable to do that. And it's not going to not be uncomfortable. The point isn't to get over the discomfort. The point is to get comfortable with the discomfort. That's right. Interesting. Um, cool. Yeah. So you're going to go have an awkward conversation? I think so. <laughs> so that sounds, sounds great. <laughs> sounds uh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of a few that I ought to have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I have something to work on. Cool. Hey, how are you doing on time? Do we need to... Um, I'm okay. I mean, I don't know. You want to do one more? Maybe do one more. Yeah. All right. I Subject. Am I making the right decision? Mm. Hello! Exclamation point. This is from RJ. I want to start off by thanking you guys. Because of you, I was able to increase my LSAT score by nine points and get two great offers from Tier 1 Top 50 Schools here in the Sunshine State. I was curious what this correspondent meant by Tier 1. I received an offer from FSU for 100% tuition plus a $5,000 a year stipend and an offer from UF for 75% tuition. Can I just say something about the tiers thing here? Sure. Florida has shitty law schools. Yeah. Florida doesn't have any really great law schools. And so in Florida, the law schools that are in the top 50 are going to refer to the top 50 as tier one. Yep. And they're going to make a very big deal about how they are tier one law schools. Yep. And then people like RJ, who think that has actual meaning, Mm -hmm. are going to just keep repeating it because that's what the schools are selling it as. Yep. Um, There is no such thing as tier one, or many people would refer to tier one as the top 14. Yeah, that's what I initially thought. But when you're a... When you're a middling law school in Florida, you then refer to the top 50 as tier one. <laughs> Look, they're ranked 48th and 41st, and they're they're out there. And RJ just bit the whole thing, right? RJ's just buying yep. it. Like, RJ's just, oh, what's a tier one? I'm going to a tier one school. Yeah. Well, Wouldn't want to okay. go to a 52. No, because that would be tier two. Ooh, boy, we can't go to those. Yeah. Yeah, 
RJ, don't pay for law school. Just don't pay for law school. Yep. All right. Anyway, go ahead. So, uh, RJ continues, FSU and UF are ranked 48 and 41 respectively, but offer nearly the same level of employment opportunities in my native state of Florida and across the Southeast. Yeah. Because there's not really any difference between no. 48, 41, 42, 62, 39, etc. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a big difference between Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and everything else. Um, there's a big difference between a school in the top 14 and a school that's ranked 48th and 41st. Uh, but the difference between 48 and 41, and like Ben says, the difference between 39 and 62, it's just not that. You're just... Those are good, but not great law schools. Yeah. Let's see. I've never been interested in big law or anything like that, but if the opportunity comes my way, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, by definition, then, these opportunities will not come your way. All right. Right. I'm all but ready to commit to FSU because of the location. There's something to be said about proximity in this case. Okay. I'll be blocks away from the political epicenter of the third most populous state in the union. Okay. This fact intrigues me. I'm a political junkie. I've read a lot about Florida and national politics every day. Being within walking distance of the Florida Capitol building, Supreme Court, and legislature make me excited. Makes makes me I've always planned about getting into politics and networking in that area only makes me more and more only. Oh, hmm? I've always planned about getting into politics on getting into politics, but planned. Yeah. On getting into politics and networking in that area only makes more and more sense to me. Hmm. There's a nagging feeling. However, amongst prospective law students in the state of Florida, it is well known that UF will make a jump on rankings. I'm wondering if that jump will translate to better opportunities. I guess I just need you guys to reassure that committing to FSU is the best decision for me despite the fucking rankings. If you read this on the podcast, refer to me as RJ. Thanks, y'all, RJ. Yeah, I think we have already commented on this, but just to be clear, go to FSU for full tuition. If you really want to go to... Plus five grand a year. Yeah, nice. If you really want to go to UF... Ask them to match FSU's offer, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't base a decision on the rumor mill. I, I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Widely, widely known among people who don't know anything. Yeah. How do you know they're not going to fuck up their report to U.S. News and be unranked next year? <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen. The the. <laughs> The school could get found out as a complete fraud and get like get get uh, unaccredited by the ABA. You don't know. Yeah. You you don't know what's going to happen. No. That's a that would be ridiculous to just like start paying cuz I mean he he got a 75% scholarship there but no stipend, so you'd end up paying 25% of way too much money. Yeah. And for <laughs> no, plus it's the FSU is in the one that he likes the location. Of. Yeah. No, go to FSU, take the hundred percent tuition plus $5,000 a year stipend. Don't even ask Florida for more. Don't even bother. Ask F tell FSU you want a bigger stipend. 
Yeah, why not? <laughs> the worst well, they say is no, and then you say, okay, right. I accept your 5000 <laughs> Yeah. Ask them one more time and go ahead and sign. Just don't pay for law school. You're, you're, already, you're already winning because you're not paying for law school. That's right. You should say hi to your patrons. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, we could, again, like, I, I, I do this all the time. I'm like addicted to it. But like, I want to now look at the FSU 509 and just figure out who the suckers are at FSU that's, that are going to be paying RJ's, uh, not only RJ's tuition, but they're also going to be $5,000 a year. That's nice. A little $400 a month check. Yeah. That's, that's sweet. It's just funny. I mean, imagine going to class and just talking to people and saying, hey, great class, isn't it? Yeah. So how much of a offer did you get to come here? <coughs> Nothing. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you around. Thank you. Have a good <laughs> Yeah, thank you, by the way. You could write him a thank you card next time. <laughs> I'll, when I'm at the bar later, I'll have a beer on you. Yeah. Because I did just get my stipend check right here, and you're the one that paid for it. So thanks. Thank you very much. No, yeah, I would recommend that people, um, when you go to law school, don't talk about your scholarships. Just you don't don't you don't need to tell anybody that you're there on a scholarship. You're only going to make enemies. Um, just uh, yeah, just keep you can keep that to yourself. But you can also you can also know <laughs> looking around the room, you can know that you're the one that's there on a scholarship. You you know you and. 10% of the folks are there on a full ride plus stipend. And there are 10% of the folks in the room who are um, getting nothing at all or more than 10% of the people who are getting nothing at all. And you're, you're better equipped to uh, beat them for grades. So that's good. That's good for you. Yeah. Um, I think we should probably leave it there. Yeah. So that was episode 132 of the thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. It's been nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Anymore.